to the Blue Couch Podcast. No, I'm playing. Welcome to the Youth of the Nation Podcast, episode 84. And for this episode, we have a super special guest, my girlfriend, sorry, my partner, Julia Rodriguez. Julia, how you doing? Great. Great. Are you excited to be on the podcast? Nervous. Nervous? How many times have you spoken in front of people or not in front of people knowing that people will listen to your voice later? The, <laughs> the, the answer is zero. Uh, well, I have asked you a bunch of times if you wanted to be on the podcast, and you said yes. And now we've been biking today. We got teriyaki today. We're just doing all the fun stops today. So today we're also going to record a little podcast. Um, and yes, Julie and I have been dating for three years, three and a half years. Who yep. knows at this point? Um, and she gamed me up from the start. Um, she was the first person to hold the hand and also to say I love you. Um, not true. Not <laughs> <laughs> I'm lying out here. But uh, Julia, you are a teacher and you also got your master's when you were 20, 20 years old, when you were 20 years old. So uh, before we get into kind of what's your why and why do you do what you do, talk to the peoples about how much is education important to you and then you can talk about teaching and whatnot how is education important to me yeah like because it seems like you've loved school you've loved teaching you love learning and that's to me why i think you got your master's so early because whenever i tell someone hey julia got her master's like how old is she i'm like she's 20 (laughs) sure um i think education and how it's been important to me has changed as I've aged, but um, education was important when I was in school, so like K through 12 public education, because I felt successful there. I never questioned whether I was supposed to be in school. Um, and then as I got into college, Um, it was more about learning how to become a lifelong learner and how can I use the tools I've been given in education to continue educating myself. And then once I started my postgraduate degree, education was about how can we be um, giving kids the tools in a public education setting to become lifelong learners and not waiting for the few who make it or arrive in a college um, college or a post-college career, I guess. Yeah. Um, so for those kids that don't make it past that graduation date, um, giving them the tools so that they um, know that it's an option for them and that they're supposed to be there. Hmm. See, and this is why I love this woman so much. But so, so then why do you, so now you're a teacher, you're a teacher at a elementary school and you just finished your first year of teaching. Mm -hmm. And so tell us how has that been? And, and then that kind of just pours into why do you get up every day? What do you love about these kids? Not just besides that, they're just super cute. But like, (laughs) what else do you love about teaching these students and why do you continue to teach and will continue to teach in a pandemic? So, first year of teaching, why I like teaching. Yep. 
and what teaching is going to be in the future. Yeah. Okay. Um, first year of teaching was way more than I expected to be, but at the same time, what people told me I should have been waiting for. <laughs> um, I started out with like 25 fantastic kids and ended with 25 fantastic kids, but um, only half of them were the kids that I started the year with, which mm. is pretty crazy. I never expected that. Um, and I, I don't even, before we were thrown into a pandemic, first year teaching was really stressful already. And it wasn't until like after winter break, that I was like, okay, this is survivable. I'm actually might supposed to be here, mm. <laughs> maybe, um, and then we shut everything down, um, and I knew that I wasn't going to see my kids again this school year. Mm. Well, I hoped that I would, but um, knew it wasn't likely. And then a few weeks later, we rolled out the online schooling, and that was pretty crazy. I think regularly I got two-thirds of my kids to actually, like, show up online, which was, like, a huge win in and of itself. But um, this first year was hard because not just as a first year, but every teacher lost a lot of time with their kids yeah. and the connection and community and relationships that you can kind of guarantee will be there in the last, like, trimester of school. So that was a big bummer but um just knowing that these kids showed up under all the circumstances that we're in now um really alleviated the stress that I had that what was I doing what I was supposed to be doing this whole year and um just them showing up and being happy to be there online was really affirming wow wow um so I think with everything that's going on in the world and things getting shut down and uh, youth ministry, my youth ministry getting shut down and your school getting shut down, um, teachers are really the unsung heroes of this. I mean, they're pretty much the unsung heroes all the time. I'm sure that's <laughs> what you have seen. But in this pandemic, I'm sure it's been so. What is, you kind of talked about like maybe the beginnings of it, but what was what like the second you figured out oh we're going to have to teach online and also possibly next year I'll have to teach online um cuz I'm sure when you were however old and you dreamed about being a teacher you didn't dream that you'd do it the last th the last fourth of your teaching <laughs> for sure teaching online so no definitely not um I mean, there's teachers who do this year-round. Like, they sign up to teach online. I did online school for a bit of high school, and my sister did when she was in elementary school with uh, WAVA, Washington Virtual Academies. And I can say that I don't remember a single teacher of mine from online school in those two years. Mm. I never built relationships with them. I didn't care to. I don't even know if I saw anything beyond like a picture of them 
um, in the beginning of the school year. The technology that we're using now, like especially with my district, is um, more advanced because we can see each other face to face. But I don't doubt that it will be hard in the next year to develop relationships with kids. I'm still trying to piece together. I mean, we all are trying to piece together how yeah. to do that. I think all teachers know that. I don't know that we all feel like heroes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like we're all trying to do our job, and our job is to make first kids feel safe and secure and know that they belong in school mm. in their classrooms. And um, it's hard to do that when you feel that these kids don't know who you are and don't know if they can trust you. So oh. I think that's kind of the fear and struggle coming into the next year with brand new kiddos who don't have that same motivation to show up to class because they don't know you like that yet. Hmm. That's deep. That's real deep. And this is the Youth of the Nation podcast. And something that I, I love about you and I love every time is how you're able to care for kids. But I feel like you, you always care about the relationship more than them getting a grade or more than you. Like every time you come and tell stories about teaching, it's more about this kid did this funny thing or this kid finally did this. And so why are, why, not just why is teaching kids so important, but why are kids, why are young people so important to you? Well, I, when I think of teaching, and who I'm surrounded by. If I had the choice to be surrounded by 25 10-year-olds every day or 25 adults that I had to work with every day, I would (laughs) always choose the 25 Um, 10-year-olds. Honestly, I think they're a lot funnier. (laughs) And, But most importantly, they have so much more hope. Hmm. Um, I, after, what, seven and a half hours of teaching kids, I mean... It's a draining, especially in the beginning, but I feel more alive around them than I do after a half-hour staff meeting at the end of the day with all the adults in the school just because there's so, um, there's so much negativity sometimes with um, the responsibilities that we have. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, in these staff meetings, we're all exhausted but um kids just live in a world of endless possibilities but it also um it takes a community to get there and that's why I love and honor the position I get to be in with these kids because I get to just facilitate um these conversations about possibilities and hope um, for these kids' future specifically. Y'all, this is the smartest person I know in my life. <laughs> no cap. Um, so good. So I think it, cause I think for, I think on my end, so, sometimes like in the youth ministry context, I get kids for an hour and I got, you know, and I have to like convince them. It almost seems like of this Jesus that loves them. And then we got to keep it pushing. But you get, what, eight hours a day with these kids? A little less. A little less. Yeah. But, I mean, you get a work day with these kids. Mm-hmm. Like, school for these kids is work. And so I just think about, because when I was younger, I didn't 
I didn't get the whole like that that's their job, you know, it's not that hard. And then I started dating a teacher <laughs> and I realized but so I love what you talk about hope because the other day we went on we dropped off a bunch of books to your students. Mm-hmm. And every student asked the question, when's school going to start again? And I think so many of us think kids don't want to learn. Kids mm-hmm. don't like school. But what would you say? 80, 90% of those kids asked that question? Yeah, I'd say that. Just about every one of them that were home and I got to see all asked when we're coming back to school. And, I mean, kids like to put up a front, right? Why? <laughs> Who wants to be the nerd? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, why, why, is, why w- would they admit that they like to go to school? Yeah. Um, when you're 10, you're basically like a preteen is what I feel like. But, um, younger kids are a lot more innocent about it. They'll take that they, that they love their teacher outright and that yeah. they love learning. But, um, I mean, it's, it's all a double-edged sword, right? You have to feel like you are supposed to be there and I think that I'm really really blessed to be in the school that I'm at because um there is just this mission that all these teachers are on and it's first and foremost to build relationships and make sure the kids know that they're where they're supposed to be and I think that's why that uh, most of my students they've been in the school for almost five years now they have been told over and over again that that's where they're supposed to be. So hmm. um, they'll complain during the school day when they're doing their work that they don't want to be there. But um, I know that they miss the stability and knowing that someone's going to check up on them every day. I feel better when I ask them how they're doing. Um, and so I'm sure that's what they're missing. Yeah. Kids... We all know that kids thrive on schedules, but it's more than that. Um, A lot of these parents at home right now, they're still working jobs and kids are home alone. You know, they're waking up at 12 and going to bed at, I don't know. I don't even want to think about four in the morning, you know, much later than I'll stay up in my lifetime. A little fortnight schedule. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And they're, they're tired of summer this is not the summer break they anticipated that anybody anticipated and I'm sure it's not restful I'm sure it's um filled with a lot of anxiety about when they're going to go back I'm sure you know most of my kids have phones they're overwhelmed they're spending too much time on social media we're all spending too much time on social media but they are just being you know overwhelmed with the news and um, especially our current climate, and I don't know who they have to talk to about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're hitting up their friends. I'm sure some of them are, but um, I don't know. I'm hoping that they have somebody to talk to yeah. right now. Hmm. That's good. And right, it's it's funny. It's kids. I was in a, um, a Zoom call with a student, and they go, uh, I want to go back to school. It's the middle of July. <laughs> like, if school was normal, what well, a kid would not care what school was. I'd be at camp right now. You'd be upset. You know, like, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gone for, like, the fourth time in the summer. But it's interesting. 
when they have what they've always wanted, right? It was like not to go to school. And they're like, wait a second, I want to go back. And I think that's a lot because of those teachers. Like, while I didn't love learning, I loved the teachers and the impact they had on me. So you could, if I was a student right now, you, I would go back, like, the second they're like, we're opening up, like, I'll be there right now, right? Because right. that consistency, I got fed there. I mean, school mm-hmm. provides so much more than just the teacher that's like, hey, learn. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we all don't know what we have till it's gone, right? And I think right now they're all, you know, it's just one big question mark. So they can enjoy their summers, you know, every year because they know that, hey, end of August, beginning of September, I'm going back. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, there was a lot of mornings I woke up while we were on this break. And once we started online teaching, just thinking like, oh, my gosh, when is this going to end? Yeah. I need to see their faces more than I thought I did. I need to collaborate with my teammates because this is too hard to do by myself. Yeah. Um, I need, you know, in and which we've been getting loads of like encouragement from our administration and stuff, but there's you feel so separated um, sitting in front of a computer all day long, and um, when you can't see, um, you know, the benefits of like what you've been sewing into, it's really draining, yeah. and so I have been talking to a lot of the teachers I work with and other teacher friends of mine and this summer break is also just so stressful for them because they don't even know where they're going to start in the fall because nobody has answers and they don't know what it's going to look like but this I mean it really isn't a time of rest like Mm -hmm. it usually is Hmm. yeah and I don't this is just random, but do you ever get <laughs> upset with people who are like, because in the, in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone's like, well, this is a time of rest for some people. And I'm sure you're over here like, no, I got 25 kids that I care about. I know their story. I'm teaching at home the little boot, the, you know, the little, the little ghetto teacher setup down. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I'm sh- rest is kind of not a part of the equation for you and for so many kids. Yeah. Right now feels more like a time of equipment. How are we mm-hmm. preparing ourselves? Um, there's going to be a lot of tough conversations happening in the fall. And I, it just wouldn't feel right if this wasn't our time to be educating ourselves and preparing for these tough conversations. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. So, speaking, you talked about climate, talked about tough conversations. I'm sure this is the easiest conversation you're able to have, um, which is the race conversation. Um, And when I think about the race conversation, I think about you have to have it with young kids at some point, right? Like, knowing you, you're not going to let this just, like, go over and start the school year as normal when you have kids who could be hurting. And so... I guess the the conversation, the question I have, the conversation I want to have is, the race conversation 
or just our current climate as a teacher and as a believer like what's the what's it been like for you um experiencing or seeing what's going on in today's climate i would say i'll just start off i feel like it's almost easier to answer in the um in the light of like being a believer um i say it's easier because it's I feel like I have the words to describe, like, the heartbreak of the moment we're living in right now and how disappointing um, it is to see people that we know um, really expose themselves Mm -hmm. Um, and the leadership of our world right now is um, our free world unquote um has been disappointing and I think we're all looking for authority and leadership and I think the only rest we can find is knowing that um, God is in control and he is loving us unconditionally through this but also grieving and mourning with us this is um not where we're supposed to be it's not where we've where we've (laughs) been you know the how many hundreds of years um so as a believer i'm mourning but um rejoicing in the future as well that's good um as a teacher (laughs) (laughs) i am i mean truly frightened (laughs) There is, um, the easy conversations, honestly, are the ones with the kids. The hard conversations are with our leaders and the people that we work with day to day. Um. Adults. Adults. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is so much hesitancy to say the wrong thing, and a lot of that has to do with just our workforce. I think right now in Washington, we're like somewhere around 80% of all teachers are white. Um, No way. Yeah. What? (laughs) And those numbers climb, of course, when you get to, you know, principal, assistant principal, district. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just the lack of representation is scary. Um, But I am hopeful in the space that I work because there are so many willing participants in these conversations. Um, Right now, I'm actually in a voluntary book club with, I mean, I think a couple dozen of my um, co-workers that um, are, I think, someone in our school, like, fundraised enough money to um, buy so you want to talk about race. And so we've been reading through that this summer, and I think there will be a couple more added to the list. But people are trying. They're getting out of those comfort zones, and they see that it's necessary. I honestly don't meet a lot of teachers that don't understand that they are in a world of, or their career is a social justice career, really. Hmm. Explain um, that. <laughs> so I guess... Um, best way to explain that is 
why my understanding of education has changed over the years. Um, I never realized how unequitable education was until I finished my K through 12 education, went through a four year BA program, basically. Not at that point did I realize education was inequitable. It was when I got in basically a master's in teaching degree that kind of spelled it out for me, which how many years of education is that? 12 plus four, four plus one, so seven, whatever. 17 years of... Yeah. Um, I always knew I was supposed to be at school. I was always told how um, smart and equipped I was. Um, I never showed up to school without my basic needs met. Um, I always had clothes that were new to me. Um, I always had a home-packed lunch. You know, I had friends. I never sat alone. Um, so school was where I was supposed to be, and school told me that I could basically do whatever I wanted to do. Mm. And so, I mean, I did. I went to college, and I became my heroes. I um, became a teacher when I was 21 but only because I had the resources and the people telling me that I could. Um, so all that to be said, that is not the case for most people that I know. Many of my friends in school um, growing up were and are people of color, and that meant different things for them. It meant different conversations that they were going to have when they go to college and career counseling in high school. It meant different conversations they're going to have with their teachers about their grades. Mm. Um, and it meant different things when they went to college. And it means um, different things about, you know, the financial aid they receive. Um, all these things leading up to, is this meant for me and can I do it? And so, I mean, education I know was wildly different for you until yeah. I don't know what point in high school you felt like <laughs> that was where you were meant to be and that you had people looking out for you I'd say when I graduated because I wasn't supposed to graduate right um and I had a white teacher who I didn't know liked me but I was just I was just a good kid and she said hey that's a nice C you have there and I was like no, nah, I got an F in this class. <laughs> she was like, no, you have a C. Good job. And I was like, she made me take one test, and then I had a C somehow. <laughs> and But that's, but for me, when I realized is when I actually learned about what I knew, like what I really wanted to know, or history. So history classes, because I loved history, even though it's whack, and, <laughs> and when it was about Jesus. I mean, you remember the, my first two years of college. I almost was like, I'm dropping out. Like, I'm tired of this. Yeah. And then until I learned about the Lord and, like, all that stuff um, and how to teach people about that, I was not a fan. So, but what you're saying is true is there's two different experiences. Um, but I th I would say I still value education and understand it. Mm -hmm. um, but I love what you said that it's a social justice career. That's the question I was answering. Yeah. I totally like <laughs> Yeah, 
So I think social justice for me is um, allowing kids a space where they have some sense of self, right? You should be able to show up to school and work and be yourself without that taking away any merit from your work and um, how people interact with you, right? I'm sure many of us have heard the disparities of how we discipline kids based on their skin color, mm. right? That tells us that we're not, not all of us see this as social justice work. A lot of us do, but um, when we see how we're treating black boys and girls, especially black boys in school, um, we know that we have so much work to do in this social justice field. Um, and I think it starts with educating ourselves, right? That's our job um, as educators is to know the power that we hold yeah. and give it back to the students where it belongs. Hmm. That's, that's give it back to the students where it belongs. And that li- and this is kind of like a this is like a grenade kind of question, but like so what do you say to teachers who are like I got into education to teach kids, right? And they stop there. <laughs> Would you say that that isn't? Because when I hear you, you are, you are one of the few people I've actually heard. When I hear you talk about why you want to teach and you teaching, I'm like, yeah, she want to teach kids. But you want to help kids know who they are, that they can do it, that you know when they're when they're no longer being taught by you, that they're still able to keep going, and so, and I believe that that's because the heart of Jesus in you. Um, so do you think it's like incomplete to just be like, I got this to teach kids, and that's all I'm going to do is teach kids, and then when the because for me, in middle school, I was one of those little black boys. I. No one knew my home life. No one knew what was going on at home. Acted up at school. And instead of having someone walk with me, talk with me, I got sent to the in-school suspension to go talk to a black woman. And she was the only one that kept me sane in that school. Mm-hmm. She was like, you're not bad. She was like, ah, I don't care about it. You know, like, mm-hmm. and so, and she was another one I heard when she talked about teaching. It was, I love to teach, but there's something else behind that. So I guess this is a long-winded question of like, is the is the answer to the question why did you get into teaching? Oh, I just want to teach people. Do you think it it's more? It should be more than that, or do you think? I think that, especially, I mean, I think all years of education are formative years, but especially the age groups that we work with in elementary. I mean, those are such crucial years. Um, I think you have to know that it's a delicate job. You're really shaping lives and how these students perceive themselves. So I don't want to say it's an ignorant thing to show up to teaching and say, I want to teach. As someone who always prided themselves on being a good student and always knew what was going on, it was really frustrating to show up to teach and realize, like, teaching is not a natural thing. Um, so real, I mean, teaching is difficult. I don't know 
why anyone would show up and say, <laughs> I want to, te- teaching is hard. You'd be like, you want to do this Yeah, shit? the easy part is loving the kids. The hard part is teaching. So, um, huh. is that, is that an invalid reason to show up? No, we need good teachers because good teaching is hard to come by. It's not a natural thing. It's a skill. Um, one that I desperate desperately trying to get better at um so i think that for those teachers that you know i mean especially in a like secondary setting so that's middle school and high school you get these awesome teachers who i mean really know what they're talking about when it comes to english history science math because they probably loved it right or they do love it they were successful at it um but then you know, if you were successful at it and you're passionate about it, why are you passing it on? You know, um, I think for someone who is showing up to teach and they say, well, I want to teach, teach what? What are you teaching? Um, I don't know a successful teacher that just said, I really like math and I'm gonna teach math and then everybody in that classroom said oh I get math math is for me um you teach it well I understand it um math is for me everybody learns differently and we know that but it's not enough to know how everybody learns we carry such harsh messages about ourselves so early on in education as soon as things get hard if there's no one there to encourage us that thing is no longer for us and I know you felt that way about like math in college who says you're bad at math I don't know that anybody ever nobody ever told Nate you are bad at math Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of subliminal messages through your K-12 through experience that told you that math is not for you Hmm. so your teachers may have showed up to teach math but they also need to show up to teach nate and you know every other kid in their classroom wow that's fire wow so you can show up like i'm gonna teach math i just i i think what i love about what you do and what teachers do is because like, kids won't remember their doctor at some point. Kids won't remember this, per, you know, their coach at some Or Actually, I say they remember their coach at some point. But there's a lot of, like, things that we think are huge in kids' lives that they won't remember. But kids always remember their teacher, especially the great ones, right? And And showing up to teach that one kid in the way that they need to be. And, yeah, it's inconvenient, but I think about when I take a kid to camp this is like youth pastors who listen to this when you take a kid to camp could you imagine if i took every kid to camp and assumed that they'd all have the same story they don't when they talk there's one kid who was like i don't care about what you're saying and there's mm-hmm. another kid that's like right oh, i get this and there's one kid who has money like i've seen this before kid who has money kid who doesn't have money and my kids show up and they take a bunch of stuff and, and they're like hey we're just gonna send them home and i'm like no you're not you're not gonna send my kid home you don't know where he comes from. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk to whatever, talk to whoever, that kid straight up, and we'll figure it out. 
but I think so often what you're saying is we we um discipline kids and we we tell kids they can't not because we don't just you know you can't but we tell them that they can't um you know the grading system like mm-hmm. I'm sure it makes sense at some point it made sense but for me like especially for my brain I'm like if I get an F game over I'm never going back I'm not looking at it again I'm just going to give up that mm-hmm. first F I got in geometry my freshman year when I wasn't supposed to be in it I literally checked out mm-hmm. and I never yeah and it's sure it's some of what Nate what was Nate doing but it was also that teacher was running through mm-hmm. and every kid had to learn it the same way right and I don't learn that way that's why I like being a pastor because I can <laughs> do whatever I want right <laughs> Yeah, my message for the teachers right now that are talking about grading and assignments in the fall, just sit down. (laughs) Sit down, be quiet. It's, this is not the time. (laughs) It is so hard as a kid. Like you're saying, we've all had that one grade that was just like we tanked it or something. And the message is you can't do it. Um. Especially when they circle the F. They put F and they circle it. <laughs> I know. Who uses a red pen anymore? Could have done better. Uh, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I won't, like, go really into it, but most grading systems are just real unequitable. Um, hmm. When we're talking about taking the authority and power away from teachers and giving it to the students a lot of that has to do with how are we assessing them um when there's room for us to make judgment calls based on who we see as able there's so much room for inequitable grading practices i mean um who's to say that that kid is as Um, low achieving as you think they are. I mean, we all come into um, our workspaces with um, prejudices, you know, and it's the same with working with kids. And so the way that you preach and tell your stories, I know that you are cognizant of who is in the room. We need to be cognizant of that by how we tell kids um, they are able, and yeah, that can start with grading. But I, I hope we're not all too worried about that right now with yeah. fall coming up. She and said, "Sit down, stop, <laughs> stop trying to, stop, stop. Just let let the kids learn. Mm-hmm. They're watching. They're playing Fortnite till two a.m. anyway. Probably with probably with me because I'm playing Fortnite all the time. <laughs> but um, that's so good, guys. I'm telling you, Julia is a Gold, 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 gold. Um, all right, Julia. I w- this is the last thing I want to talk about, and because you've been dropping some knowledge for about f- for about thirty five. Did you even know you're talking for four- forty minutes? No. I yeah. Try not to. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you and me are opposites. We would say, right? In <laughs> in how many ways? Yes. The answer is yeah. yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um I'm loud, you're quieter. Um which which I love. And 
But something where people see a big difference, and I get more people asking me than not, is where is Julia at on social media? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I can't find her on Instagram. I can't find her on Facebook. I can't find her nowhere. Um, and kids ask me this all the time because I we, you've come to what four camps with me before or a couple camps and we've spoken. Yeah, yeah. And you probably get ten follows every single camp, and you deny every <laughs> single one. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, oh yeah, someone's probably listening. Yeah, Julia loves you. I promise. But before we get into the question. Why, like, in this world, 2020, Mm -hmm. where social media is the thing, and, I mean, yeah, you love TikTok, you love Instagram, you love seeing your people, but you only follow your people. Mm -hmm. It's something I've been trying to learn, and I've been trying to unfollow people, um, because I don't care about seeing everybody's (laughs) Instagram posts. You only follow your people, Mm -hmm. and you only let people see you who you want to see you mm-hmm. are you great like why um i don't think that i mean so social media it does a bunch of great things it can bring a lot of quick education and um spotlight a lot of stories very quickly but i don't believe it's a great place for connection um i don't know and there's people that meet online and they're like quick friends that's i can't say that's ever happened to me but um yeah i social media is kind of just for a quick catch up with the people (laughs) who i already talked to or maybe haven't talked to in a minute but i still really care about them but um yeah, if I if I really want to get to know somebody, I want to uh, speak to them face to face and uh, get to know who they are. And I just I don't think that social media is a good way to get to know anybody really. Wow, wow, and I'd agree with you. I mean, I don't have everyone that I follow is usually someone who's seen me, or everyone that follows or follows me is someone who's seen me speak. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're going to be, like, great friends. Mm-hmm. And then if they're actually my, like, people, I'm texting them mm-hmm. more. And so, but it's just been, it's dumbfounding to people when they look you up. Mm-hmm. Like, what's her Instagram name? I'm like, don't follow her. She's going to deny it. Well, and, <laughs> I mean, we have different intents and purposes with our social yeah. media. And you are still equipping young people with the messages that you are sending out and, um, encouraging people and educating people um so and i just don't (laughs) not online i would say that if i wanted to encourage somebody i'd send them a text or something but um also my reach is just not as wide but you you love relationship which is cool yes of course yeah so cool yeah anyway it was just funny and so that leads me to this part because a big thing around kind of the rest conversation and I mean every conversation that pops up, right? People are getting canceled, all this stuff. Um yeah, I mean, we've all seen it. But you don't post very little. Um 
your last post on your Instagram was like from like six months ago. And, and you post on your story every now like two stories and then you're done for next year and so all that to be said and i say and i say this because it's something like i wish i could do honestly and like <laughs> not update people people are like where are you at and so maybe that's just a fomo of me but anyway i a lot of people have been calling out people because they're not posting on social media Mm-hmm. They're not talking about race. They're not saying arrest officers that killed Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, posting things about Vanessa uh, Guillen. They're not. They're not doing those things. And so I would say, what work are you? And you don't have to say the work you're doing, but for those friends who don't post, and they're like, oh, well, now I have to. I've had people. Mm-hmm. Well, now I have to post something because th- people are gonna think I'm racist if I don't. Mm-hmm. People think I don't care about them if I don't. So and then there's this been this term that's coined, and, and, and in some ways I agree with it that says silence is violence. Yeah. But is social media silence violence? So I guess the question is, for someone who doesn't post a lot, especially in this time and in this work, how are you learning? What work are you doing, so that you are equipped to have conversations with your kids or your people? Mm-hmm. Well, I think. I anybody can agree with this that social media has always been to some extent a place of performanceship and I don't think that's a word but performance um we'll take it <laughs> so I I would hope that for someone before you know the hashtags that were you know, storming social media and um, Blackout Tuesday and everything, Mm. those people that were still doing the work, that they didn't start second-guessing themselves. Um, And I don't think those people who really know who they are and what they stand for are the people that are stressed about posting or not posting. Because Mm. why would you if you know um, that you're doing the work? Uh, the people in your life would see it, right? So uh, your accounts are not your full representation of you. Um, the people that know you have, you know, they've got your back. So um, at least for me, I know the people that I work with, the people that I eat dinner with, and the people that I go out have drinks with on the weekend. You know, like those are the people that are going to have my back, and those are the people that I'm doing the work with. So, um What was the question? Why? <laughs> I mean, you pretty much answered it. Just the idea of there's there's people who feel like they have to jump on this posting train and this mm-hmm. social media train. And I love what you said is if you're if you were really about it before, just hopping on doesn't show. Because we had someone who asked that question. He goes, dude, you don't post anyway. So mm-hmm. it's going to look even weirder if you're like, I care now on social media. Mm-hmm. So I think good. that... I mean, if you're reflecting on what you're posting, take the time to reflect on the conversations you're having. Are people shocked that you're all of a sudden bringing up um, the riots and, um, the you know, everything that's going on? If you're just talking about it now, why are the people in your life surprised? Um, they're not surprised 
you know, where are these conversations getting you? Are you talking to anybody who should be included in this conversation that maybe feels like they've been dismissed from it or they've been hiding from it? I think those are more important questions than should I be posting about it. Hmm. Hmm. That's deep. And I and, and hope that hopefully that encourages people because I think I just think we all no one wants to be canceled, right? No one wants to be the person who's like, You don't care. But I'm but we we've talked about this before. It's like are you calling more people? Like are you calling like for mm-hmm. Nate who was kind of I'm not the poster child of this, but I'm a young black man. Mm-hmm. And so people are, are always checking on me like, You're the guy and so but for someone to call me and be like, Hey, are you good? Mm-hmm. is better than someone going, Black Lives Matter hashtag you know right. on a social media post yeah Cause that's easy because w- me and you have both been on social media today and it's not really it's not the thing anymore yeah. george floyd's not really the thing i mean um ha- have you got has anyone looked up updates on ahmaud's case like what's going on with that brianna taylor's officer still haven't been arrested and you know v- i mean the vanessa guillen situation which isn't a race conversation just a humanity conversation and it's just but you know, are you calling your people? Right. It's like, <laughs> it's like if if I know you're upset, you don't want me to post to social media. Pray for Julia, right? You right. Want, you want me to go, <laughs> hey Julia, are you okay? Uh, right. So yeah. Yeah, check in with your people. What you know, people are still in despair right now, and um, it's it's not fair that some of us get to check out while others don't. So. If if you're still checking in with your people but not posting, I wouldn't you know, grieve the status of your social media. But um, yeah, yeah, keep talking. Keep talking. So, Gary, Julia, I love you. <laughs> love you too. Wow, y'all, y'all just listen to Julia on the podcast, and I didn't think it was gonna be that good. We out we're out here for an hour goodness gracious but um y'all we don't know what we're about to do next but um this episode will be coming out on sunday um and julia thank you so much for recording um there's some nuggets up in there some good nuggets so take notes share this with your students share this with any teacher friends you have let them know that this teacher over here is coming up she's gonna be the goat she's gonna be like lebron james teaching <laughs> they're gonna make statues of her and everything but guys thank you so much for listening to the youth of the nation podcast we'll see y'all later peace